Good morning, Redeemer. It is uh, so good to be with you all, as always. Grateful for this church and, and the great work that you all are doing. I'm grateful for your pastor, Pastor McGowan. Thank you for Pastor Steve. Where's Pastor Steve? I saw him and Sherry. Thank you guys so much. Um, like, you all have been so welcoming to us. We are so grateful to be here with you. If you have a Bible, please open with me to uh, Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. And I have the great privilege of not only preaching God's Word, but opening up really our missions month and missions conference around the theme that's found in this famous vision in Ezekiel 37. And that is, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Now, one of the themes we're thinking about in the, in the message and, and through the month is particularly the work of the Holy Spirit in the idea of missions. And as I was looking at, at where you all are in your sermon series through the book of Acts, what a perfect segue and um, keeping up with the book of Acts because really the Acts that, w- that you, you're learning about are the Acts of the Holy Spirit and the birth and the movement of the church. And so shouldn't we be concerned about the work of the Spirit in missions? Now, to set the the context, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel is ministering in in the 6th century, and he's ministering in a time of exile. The people of God are exiles in Babylon. And part of Ezekiel, especially the early chapters of Ezekiel, are about God's judgment. That's why they're in exile, because they have forsaken God. But then in the latter parts of Ezekiel, what you find are messages of hope, and that's what one of these is of what God is going to do to restore these people and bring them back again. And so he asks the question here, can these bones live? Let's get into God's Word. Beginning with verse 1, I'm going to read that text. Hear now the reading of God's Word. Now the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were many, very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slains that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. 
Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are clean cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. This is God's word. Let's begin with the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for how your word testifies about itself, that it's God-breathed and it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. So we pray, Lord, that you might work in all those ends in this time that we have together. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this place and in the places where we're gathered at home, where we watch. And we pray that you might fill us with power so that we might understand these words that we read. But not only that, we pray you'd fill us with yourself and with your power so that we can walk in light of these words. We don't want what happens here to just stay here but we want it to be felt in our lives and the lives of all the people around us. And we're asking you to do this for your glory. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Now, kids that are here, I I don't know if you guys have ever heard this song, or maybe some of you remember this song when you were growing up, Dim Bones, Dim Bones, Dim Dry Bones, Dim Bones, Dim Bones, Dim dry bones, them bones, them bones, them dry bones, them rattling, noisy bones, the children's song says. Well, that song, it's actually based on a Negro spiritual. And I was listening to it. It's it's interesting in the song, in the Negro spiritual. It says, Ezekiel saw them dry bones. Ezekiel saw them dry bones. Ezekiel saw them dry bones. Oh, hear the word of the Lord. And then you all might remember it has the part where it says the foot bones connected to the ankle bone. And the ankle bones connected to the, what's that? The leg bone. And then the leg bone connected to the knee bone. And the knee bone connected to the thigh bone. The thigh bone connected to the hip bone. And it goes on and on and on. But that message that's a kid's song, it's actually, for the Negro spirituals, it's a song of hope. It's a song that the same God that we sang about, the one who can, who can turn graves into gardens and bones into an army and can make a pathway through the sea, this same God is able to raise the dead to life and is able to change us and give us hope even in the midst of a seemingly, seemingly hopeless situation. Can these bones live? The great news today is that this message wasn't just for them. This message is for all the people of God, for all time. It's a message of hope. The original audience was looking, and they thought that they had no hope. We heard that as we're reading the passage. They thought hope was lost. And so this message came to them from Ezekiel, from the Lord, to say, oh, it's not over. There is hope. 
Maybe these bones, these dry bones can live again. And so I pose that question to us today. Can these dry bones live? And maybe we're not exiles in Babylon, but can these dry bones live? As we think about the places where all our missionaries are called, as we think about India, where you guys are serving so faithfully, can the dry bones live where they are in India? Can the dry bones live in England and Australia and Japan and Canada and all the other places where our missionaries are represented? Can these dry bones live here in Jackson and all the ministries that are serving in different places in this city? And not only that, can these dry bones live here among us? Can these dry bones live in the places where you're hurting today. Maybe you come and you're thinking about all the the implications of what it means to live life in a pandemic. Can these dry bones live? In the light of all the, the racial and social turmoil, not only in our city, but in our country, can these bones live? As you think about maybe where you are and and the pain that's in your own heart today as you come, whatever it is that you're grieving, can these bones live today? Well, how does the text answer? Well, what what, uh, the Lord does is he tells Ezekiel three times to preach. Three times in the passage, he says prophesy, which in this context, it means to proclaim the word of the Lord, to preach. And he tells them three things. He says, I want you to preach to the bones. I want you to preach to the breath. And then I want you to preach to the broken. And so that's what we want to look at today under those three headings. To preach to the bones. Preach to the breath. And then preach to the broken. So first, preach to the bones. Now that command comes in verse 4. But let's see what leads up to that. How do we get to that? Verse 1. And here we see the call to the preacher. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And that's, as you're reading through Ezekiel, that's a familiar phrase when a vision is about to come about. And here's a setting for the vision. It's in the valley. That's the same setting as the original vision that Ezekiel saw at the beginning of the book. But it says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out, how? In the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the middle of the valley. And so you have one who is called by God and who is led by God, who is led by the Spirit of God. And where is he led to? He's led to a valley of dry bones. And then what does verse 2 tell us about it? Look at verse 2. It says, He led me around them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. So there's lots of bones. And behold, he tells you about the condition of the bones. The bones were very dry. Now, what is that meaning? It means that they've been there for a long time. And what this scene, if you can picture this, it's like a battlefield. And all of a sudden, these people have lost and they are cursed. Because in that culture, to not have your dead buried, that was a horrible, shameful thing. And so these people, not only are they dead, but they're cursed. And there's many of them, and they've been dead for a long time. So so now these bones are strewn across the valley, and they're bleached by the sun, and the animals have come, and they've picked everything off of these bones. And so this is a horrible situation in this vision. And so then we come to verse 3 and the famous question. 
He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, how would you answer that if you were in Ezekiel's shoes? The, the, the probable answer is no way. <laughs> I don't see how in the world these bones can live. In the Old Testament, there's some passages, passages with Elijah and Elisha where they see people who, who had just died and, and they are raised from the dead miraculously. But this, this valley full of dead, dry bones, this is impossible. And so how does Ezekiel answer the question? It says, I answered, oh Lord God, you know. What's he doing? Is he avoiding the question? No. This is an amazing answer because do you know what he's recognizing as he says that? Ezekiel is recognizing at least two things, both the goodness of God and what I would call the godness of God. He knows the goodness of God. What we heard in the, in the scripture reading earlier in the call to worship, that God is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger, and he's abounding in steadfast love. He's a great and powerful God. And so if he desires to, he can raise these dead bones to life. But then Ezekiel also recognizes the godness of God, that he is God and I'm not. And so I'm not going to presume upon God what he has to do. God is the one in his own sovereignty who can choose to raise them or not. And so Ezekiel says, oh, Lord God, you know. And then verse 4 comes, and this is the call to preach. And he said to me, prophesy or preach over these bones. And what's his sermon? Say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. This is the call. Preach to the bones. Preach to those dead and dry places the word of of the Lord and watch what I will do, God says to him. Can these bones live? Well, what, we can t- what can we take away? Well, a couple things. One, this is instructive to us on how we pray and how we pray for our, our missionaries, how we pray for Brian and Mandy and all of our missionaries. What do I mean? What is it that we saw here with Ezekiel? We saw one, first of all, who was called by God, the hand of of the Lord was upon him. That is the number one qualification. It's not where he went to school. It's not his, all the, the, the letters after his name, his num- the number of his degrees. The primary prerequisite is the call of God. And so we need to pray for people called by God. But not only that, people called by God who are led by and filled with the Spirit of God. With the Holy Spirit, and led by the Spirit where? Into the dry places, into the dead places. We need people who are called, led by the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God, and led into dry and dead places. And so we pray that for our missionaries, but not only that, we pray that for ourselves. (laughs) Because don't we need the same thing? right here in the places where God has called us, don't we also need people that are called by God 
People that are filled and led by the Spirit of God. And people who are willing to be led by God into the dry and dead places. Where would those be here? Where are those places among you? What is the call that God has given to you? How has God called you to come along and step in to those dead and dry places? Has he called you to give? Has he called you to go? He's called us to pray. But what is his call upon you? To preach to the bones. Can these bones live? Well, the second thing he calls them to do is not only preach to the bones, but he calls them to preach to the breath. He calls him to preach to the breath. Now, hang with me. I know that sounds crazy. That's what he says in verse 9, but let's see what leads up to that. Verse 7. So Ezekiel obeyed the call. He said, I prophesied as I commanded. And what happened? It says, as I prophesied, there was a sound. Kids, can you picture this? Can you picture that sound of the bones? It says, and they're rattling. And the bones came together. Can you picture that? Bone to bone. And then I looked and behold, just like God said, there were sinews on them. And just like God said, flesh had come upon them. And just as the Lord said, skin had covered them. Awesome. But there's only one problem, right? What's the problem? He says at the end, there is no what? There's no breath in them. And that word that's translated breath in the Hebrew, it actually can mean three different things. And it's used that way in this passage, three different ways. That same word, ruah, it means wind. It means breath. And it means spirit. And it's used all throughout this passage. It's an important word in this passage. But he said there's no breath in them. And so what's the solution to that? Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Preach, Ezekiel, to the breath. Preach to the breath. And what is his sermon? Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds of breath. That means from every direction. Come and breathe on these slain that they may live. Come and breathe on these slain that they may live. So what happened? Verse 10, Ezekiel obeyed again. I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them and they lived. And they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Amazing. He preached to the breath. And the breath came and filled them. And they came to life and they stood and lived. Can these bones live? What, what do we take away from that? First of all, you see the necessity of the breath. The necessity of the Holy Spirit. When I was younger, there was a commercial, I don't know if y'all remember this, that they would say, American Express card, don't leave home without it. Well, what he's saying is, here is the Spirit of God. Don't leave home without him. <laughs> don't go on the mission field without him because there is no life without the breath of God. Remember, as Jesus is telling the disciples, after he's raised from the dead, he tells the guys, wait a minute, don't go out yet. Don't go. You wait until you have been clothed with power from on high. But he says, when you are, what's going to happen? Do you remember? From Acts. 
You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what happens, as you'll see as you go through the book of Acts. And that's what's continuing to happen now. And so the Spirit of God, absolutely necessary for this work. Not only that, another thing that we see here is that the Spirit of God gives life. We see the life-giving impact of the breath. What did you see at Pentecost when pastor preached about that just a few weeks ago? You saw all of a sudden Spirit-filled people proclaiming the Word of God into dead people, right? Valleys of dry bones. And what happened? The people came to life and they lived. And so last week you're saying, wow, what do you do with 3,000 people that now come into the church? Because the Spirit of God had taken them and brought them to life. So what are the implications for us before we go to the last point? Two, and both of these are in regards to prayer. There's a verse in, in Isaiah 62 and there the writer is writing about Jerusalem, but he's, really, he's writing about the new Jerusalem. He's writing about Zion. And he's talking about the glory of Zion. And he says to the people of God, you who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest. And give him, God, no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Do you, can you kind of catch that? He's saying, don't leave God alone. Bug him. Give him no rest. You take no rest and you keep going after God and give him no rest. About what? Well, it says in the next part, the Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm that he was going to raise up this city. So what are they bugging God about? What God had already said he was going to do. And can't you just picture God saying, yes, come on, ask me, bug me, come on, preach to me my own word, preach to the Spirit, preach to me. And you say, Pastor, wait a minute, you're stretching that a little bit, maybe. Well, there's another reference, the other reference is in Luke 11. How many of y'all know the Lord's Prayer? Right, it's found in Matthew, um, but also in Luke. And in Luke's version, there's, it's a little different. There's a little twist that Luke makes um, at the end of that passage, he gives the Lord's Prayer, and then he talks about ask and seek and knock, and then he does this, this analogy. He says, think about it. You earthly fathers, how many of you, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake? And you earthly fathers, how, mu- how many of you, if, if your son asked you for an egg, you'd give him a scorpion? And then Jesus says, you, even though you're evil, that's kind of cold that Jesus said that, But he said, even though you're evil, you give good gifts to your children. And then he says, how much more will your father in heaven, and what do you expect to come after that? How much more would you expect your father in heaven to give good gifts to his children? And that's true. And that's the same thing that Matthew says. But you know what it says in Luke? He says, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. What's the application? Ask, ask, ask. Preach to the breath. Preach to the spirit. The Lord says, come on, ask me. Ask me. 
to give you more and more of my spirit. Ask, ask, preach to the breath and watch what he will do. Now, here's the last thing. We've said that this call here in this passage is to preach to the bones and it's to preach to the breath. But lastly, we see a call to preach to the broken. A preach to the broken. And here in this last section in 11 through 14, we get an explanation of what this vision is all about. And here the, the command to preach comes in 12, but what comes before that? Verse 11. And this tells us the whole reason for this vision in the first place. He says, verse 11, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So not only Judah, but all of Israel together. He said, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And then he describes what they say and how they feel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are clean, cut off. The people were broken. They had lost hope. Think about, put yourself in their shoes. They're in exile. And they're in exile in the most powerful nation in the world at that time. And, it, and as they're thinking about it, as they've heard the message of Ezekiel and the other prophets, the reason they're in exile is because of their own sin. And so how would you feel if you were in their shoes? And I bring this up to say that they were broken people. There are people that have given up hope in all these places that we support in India, right, in Canada, in Australia, in Japan, in all of these different places in England. There's all these different places where people have given up hope. But not only there, I wonder if maybe there's somebody here, maybe there's somebody watching online, maybe there's somebody that you know that's also been broken in the same way and has given up hope. What happens when people lose hope? They don't care anymore about their own lives, about the lives of people around them. Maybe some of you have come today and you're feeling broken in that way. Maybe through all that's happened to you, all that you've experienced, and maybe you're tempted to say, my hope is gone. Maybe those bones can live but not these, not these bones. Well, what's the good news? Ezekiel has a sermon for them and he has a sermon for us. In verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, those who've lost hope, say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and will raise you from your graves. Here is the, one of the early hints of resurrection in the Old Testament. God is going to take dead people and raise them to life. Amazing. And then look at this. He says, oh, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And again, he says it in verse 13. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves. And he calls them that again. Oh, my people. What's so significant about that? Do you know what kind of language that is? That's covenant language, where God says, I am your God, and you are my people. And these people have broken their covenant with God. And so God says, not only am I going to raise you to life again, 
but you will be my people again. And I will be your God. And then he goes on. That's not all. Verse 14. He says, I will put my spirit within you. Not just I'm going to have my spirit with you, or I'm just going to give my spirit to the leader to be able to lead you. He says, I'm going to take my spirit and put it within you. And then you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I've spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. We heard of that a little bit earlier in Ezekiel 36, where the Lord says, man, y'all messed up this covenant. I'm going to take care of this myself. And so I'm going to put my spirit inside of you so that you will want to obey my laws. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to replace your heart of stone with the heart of flesh and put my spirit in you so you will live and you will know that I am not just the Lord, but I am your Lord. I am your God today. Amazing. Amazing. The prophet is called to preach to the broken and say, it's not over. Death is not the end of the story. And say, God is going to bring you in relationship again, and he's going to put his spirit in you and give you life. Now, of course, this had some immediate fulfillment for them, but even more for us, for the people of God, in the age of the Spirit of God. This foreshadows what God would do with all the people, because weren't we the same way? We also were dead. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, but God has made us alive because of his grace and because of his mercy. And he's poured out his spirit on us and put his spirit within us that we might walk in these dead and dry places in righteousness and justice and peace. Now, why would the Lord do that? Why would the Lord do it? Well, what did we hear in the scripture reading from Ezekiel 36? It wasn't because of how good the people were or how good they were going to be. Because he said, look, the reason y'all went in exile, because you profaned my name among all the nations. Well, you know what? I'm going to get glory for my name and all the nations by restoring you, by bringing you back. And so I'm going to do it for the sake of the glory of my name. I am going to bring you back. But how? How would the Lord do it? Well, you got to keep reading in chapter 37. And it's really interesting because you keep on reading, and you know what God says he's going to do? He says, I'm going to bring you all together into one people. Because remember, they're separated at that point. I'm going to bring you all together with one people, and I'm going to put one king over you. And then a little bit later, he says who that king is. He says, I'm going to send somebody, my servant David. And you say, amen, but wait a minute, Lord, that doesn't make any sense. Because David has already died hundreds of years earlier. So what are you talking about? You're going to send your servant David. He's not talking about that David, but he's talking about the greater David. The greater David, Jesus Christ. He's the one who brings this to fruition. He's the one that can make dry bones live again. He's the one that brings all these promises of God to fruition. He's the one in whom Paul says all the promises of God are yes and amen 
in Jesus Christ. How would Jesus do it? I was listening to a sermon actually by Tony Evans, and he brought up this movie, Pirates of the Caribbean. Kids, have y'all ever seen that? I mean, the first one. Way back, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Have y'all seen that? Well, one of the things that happens in there is that these pirates have a curse upon them, right? We talked about a curse earlier, but they have a curse upon them because they've stolen the captain's treasure. And the only way for the curse to be lifted for them is for the blood of the captain to be shed over the treasure. Then they can be free again. But, but there's a problem. The captain has already died. But you know what they discover? They discover that the captain has a son. And that if the, the, the son would have some of his blood shed over the, the treasure, the curse on them would be lifted. And what was the curse? If you look at them, they were dead men walking. In the daytime, they looked just like regular people. But when the light of the moon would shine upon them, you could see that they were just skeletons. They were just dry bones walking. They were dead men. And so there was no hope for them except for the blood of the Son. Can you see where I'm going with this? And we are in the same place, aren't we? You and I and all the people that we serve, all the missionaries, all the places where they go, there's dead people walking. But all the blood of the Son has been shed over them. And so now the dead people can come to life again. How is that so? It's because Jesus Christ became a curse for us. He redeemed us from the curse by becoming one for us so that we can live again. Application, preach to the broken. Think about the places where you feel like you're in a valley of dry bones. I want you to go back and preach to them. Can these bones live again? The answer because of Jesus is yes, yes, yes. These bones can live again because of the greater David, because of Jesus Christ, because the Son has shed his blood to take away the curse. These bones can live again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For the word of God itself says, cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. And so, Lord, we are grateful for the blood of the Son being shed for us so that we can live again. Lord, I pray that any that have come today that, that maybe even don't know you, any that are at home that are watching, that even now you might draw them to yourself, to Jesus Christ, so that they might come to life, so that they might be made alive by you and by your grace. And for the rest of us, Lord, preach to those valleys of dry bones, whether it's overseas, whether it's here, whether it's in our own homes or hearts. Preach and let them know that these bones can live because of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray and all God's people said, amen.